All right, so you guys can go home now. Got it all set up for you. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you one more time to the Lighthouse Church of Christ. We're grateful that you're here this morning. And uh, even if you got dragged here because you're visiting in town, we're grateful that you're here. And I hope that you had an incredible Christmas, spending time with your family. And I also want to cheat just a little bit because uh, New Year's is not till Tuesday and we won't see you till next Sunday. So I want to cheat and just say Happy New Year. Happy New Year to every one of you. I know we're not done, but I just would like to be the first one to tell you. So, Happy New Year. I'm grateful that you're here. And um, <clears throat> today, what I would like to talk about with you is together, I want to think about this next year of 2013. And not something specific, but something that is specific for you. And this next year, there are many things that you could do. And during this next year, there's going to be many things that you will do but there's one thing that you've got to do. And so today, I want to talk to you about this one thing. Now, the one thing is different for all of us. Uh, there's one thing based on whatever's going on in our lives, based on what's going on in our marriages, in our relationships, in our finances, whatever it might be. There's one thing that if you could just figure out this one thing, that if you could just do this one thing, it would leave you in a much better place one year from now than where you are right now. In fact, if some of you just got focused on this one thing, whatever this one thing might be, your life could be better six months from now. And this isn't going to be new information. You know, this one thing is something that you've tried before. It's maybe it's something that you know about. Uh, this one thing is something that Maybe someone has suggested to you that you needed to work on. But for whatever reason, you lost focus, you got distracted from this one thing. And I don't know what that one thing is for you. I don't know what that one thing is for you. And it's different for all of us, but all of us have one thing this year that if we don't get anything else done, and if we don't get anything else accomplished, there's one thing that we need to focus on and get done this year. So I want to kind of throw out some suggestions to you this morning, and then I want to show you this really cool Old Testament story and uh, that has made such a huge difference in my life. And as I've prepared for this lesson this week, you know, it's completely changed my, pers uh, my perspective as we go in to a new year, and I hope it'll do the same thing for you. But before we do that, uh, when I'm talking about this one thing, it could be any of these things. It could be a habit that you need to break. Okay, a habit that you need to break, and you know what it is. No one needs to tell you what this one thing is. And if there was a way that 12 months from now that this uh, habit could be gone, it could be taken care of, and you could just press a button and it would be gone, you would press that button, but it's just not that easy, and there's a habit that you need to break. It could be a goal you need to accomplish, a project you need to complete, a relationship that you need to restore. And here's the thing about relationships that we all know. Uh, relationships are so emotional, aren't they? I mean, relationships are so emotional. And there's things that you know you need to do sometimes or you ought to do. Or there's things that you know you need to do and you need to reconnect with that person. But when it comes down to it, it's just you never seem to get around to doing it. Or perhaps there's a relationship that you need to end. And you're in a relationship right now, and you know this relationship, it's not good for you. You know it's not good for you. Or you're hanging around with some great friends, and they're good people, but you know when you get with these friends, you just don't do good stuff. 
And so you know this may be a friendship, this may need to be a relationship that needs to end. Or maybe it's a debt that we need to retire. A debt that you need to retire and it's been hanging around forever and your life could be so much better. It could be so much better if you would just take care of this one thing this year. Not only for you, but for your families. And so again, this is my list. Uh, Your thing may not be on this list, but I have a feeling that if I were to sit down with you and talk to you, or if you were to spend a couple minutes thinking about it, there is something that is kind of hanging over you. There's something that is a part of your life. There's something that this year, if you don't get anything else done, uh, done or accomplished, there's something that you need to do. It's this one thing. And so for the next 25 minutes, I'm going to tell you uh, a story from the Old Testament. And my hope is that during this story, this one thing for you will come to your mind. And in fact, your one thing may have already come to mind. In fact, you're like, okay, I have four things. I don't have one. I don't even know what my one is. I have four. I have six. And I don't know what it is. But wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if whatever your one thing is, if something happened this year, and by the end of the year that you dealt with it, you completed it, and you put it behind you, you moved on, you let it go, whatever it might be, imagine how much better your life would be if you just did this one thing. Now, the interesting thing about this whole topic that I'm talking to you about this morning is that some of these things to you may not seem like church things, okay? Some of these things may not seem like they're spiritual things. You might not consider them as spiritual, and yet they have such a great impact on your relationship with God. And they have such an incredible impact on your relationships with others. And it's easy for those of us who are church people, you know, for those of us who are Christians here in the room especially, to sit in church every week, clap our hands, cheer for the baptisms, sing the songs. Maybe we read our Bibles every day. And somehow we overlook these fundamental things that if we would just focus and we would buckle down and we did it, our lives could be so much better and we could deal with it And we can move beyond it, whatever that one thing is, and you can become whatever that God wants you to become this year. Amen? And so what I want to do today is I want to tell you the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, maybe you've heard of Nehemiah. He's an incredible uh, man of the Bible. And I want to kind of lead you to a verse, and my desire and my prayer for you this morning is that this verse will connect with the one thing in your life that you need to focus on this year. And as a result, God would do something incredible in your life. And when you look back at the end of the year, you're going to be like, wow, look at what God has done as a result of me focusing on this one thing. So the story of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah takes place right around 444 BC, around the time of this man right here, try to pronounce that, Artaxerxes I. And so you might remember this guy from when you studied history, but you probably don't. Artaxerxes I. And he was the king of Persia. And Persia was like the dominant world force at this time. So he was more like the emperor of of the Persian Empire. And Nehemiah worked for Artaxerxes I. And they lived in this town called Susa. It's the capital of the empire. Now, Nehemiah, if you've read about him before you would know that he's a cupbearer, right? 
For us, we might think of him as a wine taster. And what he would do is that before the king would drink his wine, Nehemiah would taste it to make sure it wasn't poisoned. How would you like to do that for a living? And so he would do that for the king. And, um, but he was also much more than that. Nehemiah was much more than that. He was a friend. He was an official. And he was also a Jewish man. And we don't know if he had ever been back to Israel. Now, the reason why I say that is that a hundred years before this time, the Babylonians had come into Israel, tore down the walls, they burned the gates, destroyed the temple, and they carted off some of the exiles. You might know some of these men's names, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And so here we are, 100 years later, and Nehemiah is working for King Artaxerxes, and he gets this burden for his home city. He hears how terrible things are in Jerusalem. And he weeps. If you read Nehemiah verse 1, it just says that he broke down and he wept for a city. And he prayed and he called out to God. And so Nehemiah does something that's very risky. He goes to King Artaxerxes, Nehemiah being a Jewish man, he goes to the king and he says, O king, O king, would you let me go back? And help my people. Would you let me go back and provide some leadership for my people? Things are so bad. Would you let me do this? How would you feel about giving me some time off? Now, let me remind you that Nehemiah is a slave, okay? He's not an employee. And slaves just don't get time off. But he's saying, would you just give me a slot of time to go back and to help my people? And so Keenan Artaxerxes says, you know what? I'm going to do you better than that. I'm going to do you better than that. I'm actually going to make you the governor of Judea, which would be like the mayor of Jerusalem. He says, and not only that, I'm going to give you everything you need financially to get what you need to get done. However, there's always a, there's always a catch, right? He says, I'll give you whatever you need, but you have to come back. You can't stay forever. At some point, you're going to need to come back here to Susa. You can't stay in Jerusalem. So Nehemiah prepares for this trip. He gets all the materials. He gets all the money he needs. And he heads back to the city of Jerusalem. Now, here's what we need to understand. And it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around this. But the walls surrounding the city of Jerusalem had been torn down for so long that the people that lived there had never lived there while the walls weren't torn down and while the, wall, while the gates weren't burned. And so their entire national self-esteem was connected to the city that was basically open for anybody who wanted to come in and for anybody who wanted to leave. And the surrounding regions were led by some very strong warlords that would just come in and steal from the city of Jerusalem. And so it was just a stomping ground for whoever wanted to come in and for whoever wanted to leave. And so there was no national pride. There was no sense of God is with us. They had forgotten their history. They had lost their identity as a people. And so Nehemiah shows up. He shows up there and he comes to this conclusion. He says, if I, if I don't do anything else while I'm here, if I don't get anything else done, I've got to get this wall rebuilt. I've got to get this wall rebuilt. I mean, there's economic issues. You know, they need leadership. There's all kinds of problems that are going on. Yet the most important thing I can do while I'm here 
is rebuild uh, the wall around this city. It will give people a sense of national pride, and it will also give people protection from our enemies. So Nehemiah, he calls all the people from the city, all the people in the surrounding region, they come together, and he casts this incredible, this amazing vision that is so inspiring. He pulled them together, and he said, here's the problem. Here's the problem that we're facing. And he said, here's the problem, and he says, here's the solution. We need to rebuild this wall, and here's why we need to do something about it. And in Nehemiah, he says that God's name is on the line. He said, the name of our God, for his sake, we need to rebuild this wall. That is why we need to do something about this right now. And the people rallied together, and they, and they began to rebuild the wall around the city. And this was such a big task. This was such a huge task for them. But they began to make progress, and, was, as, and as they began to make progress, all of the regions around Jerusalem, they started you know, getting a little bit worried, and they thought, uh-oh, here goes part of our economy. Uh-oh, here goes part of uh, our economy, and we don't get to just take whatever we want anymore. anymore. Uh-oh, if Jerusalem gets their walls rebuilt, they'll become a force to be reckoned with. They may even raise an army and become our competition. So the surrounding regions felt very, very threatened by the fact that Nehemiah was rebuilding this wall. Now, I want to introduce you to the leader of the opposition, and it's a guy named Samballot. Okay? Now, this might be a good name for your puppy, but to name your child, I don't know. This might not be a good name for your kid, but we can bring it back. Anybody want to name your kid Samballot? Probably not. And Samballot had a lot of influence in the region. He had a lot of influence, and he decided, we have got to stop this wall. And so they began to send spies into the city uh, to start rumors. They sent spies into the city to infiltrate and to discourage the people. And when that didn't work, they sent armed forces to attack the men on the wall. And so Nehemiah had to pull the men off the wall, give them weapons. And so some men worked, and some men stood guard. And so they just caused lots and lots and lots of problems for Nehemiah and the Israelites. But no matter what happened, no matter what happened, the wall continued to go higher and higher and higher and higher. And so finally, they got to a place where the wall was almost complete, and they were about to rebuild the gate. And Samuel just said, hey, this isn't working. So he decided to try something else. He tried to distract Nehemiah from the work, to get him outside of the city, and said, If I can get him out of the city, I can kill him. And if I kill Nehemiah, the people will get discouraged and they'll give up on this idea of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. So, in Nehemiah 6, we find this encounter between Samballot and Nehemiah. And in in this interaction between these two men, Samballot is trying to distract Nehemiah from his work. And it's within this interaction that we bump into this verse that has impacted my life in an incredible way. And it's the one thing that we are going to focus on this morning. So we can all take a deep breath because that was a lot of information, and we're going to get to the good stuff. So turn your Bibles over to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. And if you've got your phones and you've got your iPads, you can follow along. And if you've got your Bible, that's, that's even greater. You can use that. And if you don't got anything, just follow along up here on the screen. 
Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now, when it was reported to Samballot, Tobiah, to Geshem, the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach, which is a, a hole in the wall or a low point in the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at the time I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Samballot and Geshem sent a message to me saying. So these guys realized, hey, we're not going to stop this unless we stop Nehemiah. We need to stop Nehemiah. So they write a letter to Nehemiah. They give it to a messenger. And so the messenger shows up at the ladder of Nehemiah and rattles it. And so Nehemiah comes down. He reads the letter. And here's what the letter says in verse 2. Come. Let us meet together. Let us have some breakfast. Maybe we can meet up for some coffee. Maybe some lunch. Maybe some dinner. Come, let us meet together at a village in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So Nehemiah gets this letter, and they're saying, Hey, Nehemiah, let's spend some time together. Just, just us. Let's spend some good quality time. But Nehemiah knew that they didn't want to have lunch, and he knew that they didn't want to have a discussion. And so they're trying to harm me. He knew that. He knew that they were trying to harm me, and I will not stop the work on the wall. In verse 3. So, I sent messengers to them, saying... Now, what Nehemiah sent the messengers in this reply is what I want to focus on with you this morning. This is the one thing that I believe would have such a great impact in your life if you would just focus on this one thing this year. And so here is the message that Nehemiah sent back to Samballot. And he said... I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You tell Sam about that I am doing a great work right here, and I cannot come down. In fact, why don't you just say that with me for a second? Why don't you say that starting here, I'm doing a great work. Let's say this together. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. One more time. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. There is something in your life. There is something in your life. There is a wall in your world that you need to climb up on and make sure you complete whatever that task is. And you need to say with Nehemiah right here, in this relationship, in my life, in my work, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. He continues to tell him in verse 3, Why? Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Why should I stop? I'm doing a great work right here. And I cannot come down. Just give them this message. Why should I stop doing this great work I'm doing and come down and meet with you? I mean, how does meeting with you benefit this great work I'm doing on the wall? And so the story continues here in verse 4. They sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. So they sent another message you know, to Nehemiah saying, Okay, well, how does your schedule look, Nehemiah? I mean, surely there's some point where you can meet with us. You're not going to be on the wall 24-7, Nehemiah. 
I mean, come on, we just, we just want to get together with you. We'll make it happen. Whenever it's good for you, we'll get together with you. And every time they invited him to come off the wall, he gave them the same message. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Now, here's what's so significant about this for us. If Nehemiah would have come down off the wall, if Nehemiah would have come down and met with Samballot and his friends, they would have taken his life. They would have taken his life. Did you know that there are things in your life, there are things in my life, that if we don't deal with them, they have the potential to ruin our lives as well. They have the potential to ruin our lives. There are things relationally that if you do not give attention to them, they have the potential to destroy, or in Nehemiah's words, kill your family, kill your marriage, kill your future relationships with your kids. There are things that if you do not give attention to them this year and decide, I'm staying on this ladder until the wall is finished, that has the potential to ruin you financially. And you know that. You know that. And some of you are facing that right now because you didn't pay attention to the breach in the wall. There are some things that have the potential to actually physically kill us if we don't pay attention to them. And some of you have health challenges that you're not dealing with. And you're ignoring it. And you made a decision, I'm just going to tough this out and I'm not going to pay attention to it but it could literally take your life. And you go, well, Mike, that's not a church thing. Mike, that's not spiritual. Of course it is. God gave you your body. You can't help anybody without a body. You know, there's a lot of things you can't do without a physical body because God's plan for you and your physical body are intertwined. They connect Part of what God's will of your life includes your physical body. You can't do anything if you can't get up, if you can't take care of yourself. And some of you, you know what your wall is, and you're not paying attention. Listen, it goes into every part of our life. For parents, you need to go in and you need to sit on the bedside of your little kid, you know, your little kindergartner, newborn, maybe second, third grade, you need to stroke the hair on that little tiny head and you need to say out loud to yourself, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And yeah, there are a lot of things that I could be doing. There's a lot of things I could be involved in. But this is the great work that God has given to me right now in this stage of my life. For parents of teenagers, you need to walk in their room in their sleep, which may be late, Actually, you might need to set an alarm just to get in there when they're not, not awake. But you need to go in there and you need to look at those big old bodies laying in their bed. And you're thinking to yourself, how in the world did these people get so big? And you need to look at them and you need to say to yourself, this is my great work. This is the greatest thing I could give my life to. And I'm not going to allow anything to distract me from the privilege that I have of investing and the young, these young adults who are going to go on and they're going to do great things that I've never had the opportunity to do. You're doing a great work, and you cannot afford to come down. Men, men, 
that picture you have of your wife at work on your desk, or that picture that you have of your wife and your kids at work, you need to look at that every single day, and you need to look at that, and you need to say, I'm doing a great work. And yeah, there are other trips I can take, and yeah, I could be making a lot more money, and yeah, I could be gone two to three more nights a week. And I could be busy, 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 but I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Women, ladies, do not forget about you. You need to look at your husband, and you need to say, he's a piece of work. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what ladies say. You know, where would he be without me? Or I don't know. I don't know what you guys think to yourself. You guys probably feel sorry for us. I understand. It's okay. You probably feel a little bit sorry for us. But seriously, on a serious note, there is a significant role that you play, and you know what it is. And you know what it is, and it is so easy to get distracted. I know how important it is. I've seen my biological mom once in the last 20 years of my life. And if it weren't for a woman named Diane who came into my life and was my mom, and she is my mom, I don't know where I would be. You know, moms, do not underestimate the impact that you have on your children. You know, if you're a single adult, college student, high school student, you know the important things you've got to do. You know. You know what the wall is for you. You know it sets you up for disaster. You know it sets you up for success. And once you know what that one thing is, you are responsible. Not your parents. You are responsible. Not your friends, your teachers, your coworkers, or your boss. You are responsible to decide, this is my wall. I'm doing a great work, and I will not, I cannot come down. You're cute, but I'm not coming down for you. I'm not coming down for you. That's a good opportunity, but I ain't coming down. Yeah, you guys seem like a cool group of friends, but I know if I hang out with you, it's not going to be good. I'm not coming down for you. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Now, as I'm saying all this, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know what I'm talking about. I don't even have to give you a list. I can stop now and already things have begun to come to your mind. We know the great work that we have an opportunity to do. We know the relationships that need our attention. And the challenge for you as you face this next year is this. Will you climb that ladder and stay on the wall until you finish what you know in your heart you need to accomplish? to finish what you know in your heart that God wants you to do. Well, the fact that Nehemiah didn't come off the wall, it did not discourage his enemies from trying to get him to fail. And so they, what actually ended up happening in the story is that they started rumors about Nehemiah. And what they said is that, hey, he's rebuilding the wall because he actually wants to establish his own kingdom and he's trying to become the king of Jerusalem. And they're going to raise an army and rebel against Artaxerxes and the Persian Empire. And their hope was that this rumor would eventually leak all the way back to Susa. And Nehemiah would have to go, stop the work, and plead for his life with the king. And when Nehemiah heard the rumors, he said, I ain't coming down. We're not coming down. 
I don't care what rumors are out there. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the threats are, what the missed opportunities are. I don't care how fearful I might get. I will not stop this great work I'm doing right here. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot calm down. So the story of Nehemiah, it eventually tells us that they finished the wall, and here's how the story, or how the the author here says it in verse 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. What an incredible accomplishment this was. In 52 days, they finished the wall. Now, it wasn't the entire wall around the city of Jerusalem, but it was just a portion. But still, this was an incredible, incredible accomplishment for them. When all enemies heard of it and all the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. That even throughout this whole story, there are no miracles. You know, they didn't wake up one morning and the part of the wall was finished. You know, God didn't send down lightning bolts to strike down Sambal and, and, and his friends. He didn't do that. There's nothing supernatural in this whole story. It's just a group of men and women who knew in their hearts that something needed to be done. And this was a leader that understood, I cannot come down from the wall. And God honored their hard work. He honored their discipline. He honored Nehemiah's leadership. And at the end of the day, what happened was so almost miraculous that everybody who saw it, even their enemies said, whoa, something's going on here. They did this with the help of our God Almighty. Now, at this point in the message, it would be easy for me to say, okay, everybody know what your one thing is? Let's pray about it and let's go do it. And you can go out there and have a nice year. I'll see you next week. But that's not the way we roll. Okay? I don't roll that way. We don't roll that way around here. So for the next few minutes, I just kind of want to prod you. I kind of want to make you a little bit mad. Just to, I'm just being open. I, I want to get your blood flowing a little bit. I want to get your attention. Because it would be foolish of me to think, because I'm like you. We are alike. It would be foolish of me to think that by simply throwing out this broad net of what's your one thing that you need to do, when in fact, you already know. You already tried to do this one thing. And so, because I love you, I don't want you to be here a year from now dealing with the same old junk that you've been dealing with for a long time. Why would you want to do that? Your heavenly Father wants more for you than that. And so let me kind of push you a little bit with some specifics. For some of you, your portion of the wall is, you, that you, you know, is the habit that you need to break. There's a, there's a part of this wall and there's a habit that you need to break. And for some of you, you just drink too much. You drink too much. And let me tell you how you know you drink too much. Somebody has told you, I think you drink too much. If someone, look, that was complicated, right? If someone has ever told you that, let me say something. They probably didn't want to tell you that. They probably felt guilty. They probably spent time praying about it. 
And they built up enough courage to tell you. And you said, no, I don't. In fact, you don't remember because you drank too much. Okay? So this may be an issue for you, and this needs to be a year that you're done with that. You're done. You need to do whatever you have to do to stay on that wall and not come down until you overcome this one thing. Now, for you, it could be a prescription drug, you know, uh, something that you've been prescribed by doctors. And you got all kinds of doctors that are saying, yeah, you should be taking this, but it's become a debilitating habit in your life. For you, it might be some sort of internet pornography addiction. And nobody knows. And you've kept it a secret for a long time. This is the year. Come on, this is the year. Don't try to dance around it. Don't try to control it. Do whatever you have to do. Get open with whoever you have to get open with. Confess it. I know what this is like. I know. It's hard, isn't it? This is hard. These things are hard. If it were easy, I wouldn't have to be up here talking about it. If we were, this is easy, you would have already taken care of this one thing in your life. So what is your wall? What is that habit? You know, a few months ago, we were, I was driving with my wife, and she, you know, we were driving, and, and we were listening to the radio, and she, you know, she turned to me and she said, I think that you're addicted to your phone, to technology. Now that's, we might think that's funny, but for her, she feels like she always has to compete with my iPhone. She feels like she always has to compete with my laptop. And I had to, I mean, when she told me that, it hurt. Because I don't want my wife to feel like she's not the most important thing, that this phone, that somebody texted me, this Instagram, whatever it is, that that's the most important thing. Maybe that's what it is for you. I don't know. But this needs to be the year that you're done with that. I mean, what is that thing that's always in the room with you and your wife? With you and your husband? with you and your family, and with your kids. There's you and her, and then there's that one thing. What is that? What is it? No one can make that disappear but you. You need to take responsibility for that one thing. It's a decision you have to make, and it takes Nehemiah kind of determination to get it done. For some of you, it's debt. It's debt. And you just need to sell something and move in with your mama. Or your husband's mama. Or your, your wife's grandmama. I don't care. Just find a mama because you can't afford your lifestyle. Okay? You can't afford the lifestyle that you've been living. And you didn't do this on purpose, okay? Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh, great, I'm in debt. Okay? No one ever wishes that upon their life. That never happens. But this needs to be the year that you decide, I don't care what my lifestyle is looks like. I don't care what I drive. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what my reputation is. I don't care if I have an iPhone or I have to get Metro PCS. I don't care. Whatever it is, do whatever you have to do. I'm staying on this wall until I'm at a place where I can manage my finances in a way that honors God. Some of you haven't finished school. And you stopped going to school, and it's just kind of lingered on for, for a long time. And people ask you, hey, where'd you, where'd you graduate? And you go, well, I went to this school. And you kind of lie. 
You lie about it. Well, I went there. We have a Janine graduate. Okay, it's, it's time. This, this may be the year for you to go back and finish school. Some of you, your marriage is going like this. And a year now, a year from now, it's going to be here. And a couple years from now, it's going to be here. Please, don't spend another year pretending. For your sake. For your kids' sake. I mean, I know it's awkward. I know it's uncomfortable. But would you be willing to just sit down with your small group or with another couple in the next couple of weeks and say, you know, hey, before we start, me and Martha, that's, that's your name, right, Martha? Yeah, I mean, that's how bad things, you, you forgot her name, right? But before we start, my wife and I just have to say, we've been in this group for a long time, and we come here every week, and we look happy, and we put the smile on, we eat your food, we drink your coffee, but things are not good. They're not good. We've been pretending. We've been pretending, and we're done. We don't want to pretend anymore. This is our wall. And we're not expecting you to become our marriage counselor. But we want you to know that when we show up every week, that our wall is that we are trying to move back in each other's direction. But we decide that this is the year that we stop pretending. And I don't care about who knows. I don't care what my reputation is. Because what will my reputation be anyways if it ends in a divorce? Do whatever you've got to do. It's important. It's worth it. Do whatever you need to do. It could be the opposite. Maybe it's a relationship you shouldn't be in, or there's a group of friends you shouldn't be hanging out with. You know, they're good people, and you're good people, and, and she's really sweet, and he's really nice, but when you get together, it's just bad. It's not good. It's bad news. And you know that's not a good relationship for you. You know. And you know that if you were to stay in this relationship and you continue down this path, it's going to take you in a direction that you don't even want to go. It could be someone you work with. It could be somebody that you go to school with. And you just know in your heart, this isn't right for me. You just need to decide, this is my wall. I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. So now, you know what your one thing is. And, and, And maybe... It may, it may not have been on my list, but you don't, don't you? You know. You just know what it is. And here's the big challenge. When you walk out these doors in a few minutes, nothing's changed. Nothing has changed out there. The only thing that has changed is you. The only thing that has changed is your mind. You don't have any more money. You don't got any more time. And you don't have any less more responsibility. But right here, you know. You know right here in your mind what that is. You know. You know what it is for you. And so you've got to make up your mind every day. And you have to say, I'm doing a great work. And I will not and I cannot come down. And here's the thing. If me and you were to sit down and I can look into your eyes right now, here's what I would tell you. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to stay on the wall. You have no idea what hangs in the balance relationally, what hangs in the balance financially, what hangs in the balance in terms of your impact on other people. You have no idea what what hangs in the balance of your decision to look down and say, I'm doing a great 
work and I cannot come down. So whatever your one thing this year is, my hope and my prayer is that when we walk out these doors, we will do it. And just imagine, okay? Imagine with me for a second what your life would look like if you took care of this one thing this year. The kind of marriage that you would have. The kind of relationships that you have. It's worth it. And when the enemy starts whispering and people start gossiping about you, you're just going to whisper together, I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. And so as we take communion this morning, I want to share a scripture with you before we pray. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And here in this verse, Paul is writing a letter to the church in Philippi. And he just got done telling them about Jesus and the type of humility that Jesus had. That he was willing to humble himself, become a man, and give his life on the cross for you and me. And so here in verse 12, Paul starts out and he says, therefore. And so just a little Bible tip for you. Whenever the Bible says therefore, you got to find out what the therefore is there for. Okay? In light of what Jesus has done in your life, in light of what Jesus has done by giving his life for you, therefore, my dear... Oops. My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. You know, this is a challenging lesson. But guess what? Because of what Jesus has done for you, you have the opportunity to work these things out. And you know what? You're not alone. God who works in you God will work in you. When you make the decision, I'm staying on this wall and I cannot come down. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for the story of Nehemiah and his, his courage to stay there on the wall no matter what was going on and not to come down until he finished the great work he was doing. And God, in all of our lives, there is one thing. There is one thing in all of our lives, God, that we know. We just know. And it's hard. And God, we need your help. And I pray that this year that we would do everything in our power to do this one thing. And God, we are grateful that your son gave his life so that we can work it out. So that, God, you would work in us and that you would help us overcome this one. And God, thank you so much. We love you and we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.